0: Marks Madness now part of Chunk of Luta.
1: Woo, and pretend that we have zero mess ups and that this came out on time. Hey. <laughs> see
0: now that is the initiation every Marks Madness uh, host needs is the first book you're a part of, the last chapter gets lost and you have to re record <laughs> it. Like hey. that's what we did with Capital, it's what we're doing with the Red Deal. It's a a Marx Madness tradition.
1: Maybe it's just the tradition. Exactly. We'll we'll find out with uh, uh, Prez. Yes.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) And we'll get to that at the end of the episode. So stay tuned. tuned. Um, Today we're, uh, of course, concluding the Red Deal. Uh, There was a previous recording loss, so this one seems worse than previous Mm -hmm. episodes. Blame that. Um, <laughs> not at all me for deleting stuff before it was all downloaded, even though I'm, you know, I should have known. Shouldn't have known. Anyway. Uh, hi. hi. Shungmani. too. <laughs> I'm David. I don't know why we're introducing ourselves on the last episode. That is a
0: weird time to do it. Um. <laughs> but we're talking
1: about current events before we get in. So that way we have a full episode because,
0: yeah, I don't know. we
1: probably recorded it in like 25, 30 minutes last time. So I yep. think we'll,
0: so we, we'll got do some pretty big, good. Yep, we've got some big ones to, to lead off with. The first one, and it's even getting attention from like Republicans now because of how shitty the bill is. But we still should touch on how ridiculous the xenophobic con- congressional like racism towards the CEO of TikTok was. And oh, oh. strict act. I forgot we never talked about that,
1: but yeah. yeah. Well, so, first off, TikTok's never mentioned in the act, right? No,
0: it's not mentioned once. It so it, they're very... brought in purely for pro- propaganda purposes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which is entirely, what if China collects your data, which is what every single social network does. How what I do people love... think Google makes money?
1: Well, that's what I, I, I think is so funny is, like, uh, they asked him, they were like, oh, you know, what are you... Or, or don't you report to this person in the
0: CCTP yeah. but but things I want to get out in the the restrict act is this is very much like the Patriot Act except instead of being a no fly list that you're on mysteriously right you could you could you or somewhere it's you can to surf. what's that it's who awk shit House it is who shit yeah. it's exactly that it's exactly what it is right it's it's mccarthyism top to bottom um but you know it's it can restrict anything that's a national security threat or from a foreign enemy and if you use a VPN now this is the thing too people China yeah, does I was ban thinking about getting a VPN recently so now I'm like mm-hmm. China does ban certain like social networks and people just like it's open you know knowledge and people just use a VPN to get around it and they're not getting arrested or anything and we're supposed to fear this totalitarian China with this bill that in case one Chinese social network which isn't actually Chinese, like the CEO is. Where was he from? Was he from Singapore?
1: I, want to see I don't know. He, I think he was know. from
0: Singapore. Um, but he's definitely not from China. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, one social network might collect your data when all these social networks very explicitly are. But also, if you so much as use a VPN to access a banned site or application, you can get 20 years in prison or a quarter million dollar fine. And the the twenty years is a minimum sentence because that's America style. Um, so yeah, this is a terrifying act for simply you know using a VPN to get to an app you want, right? It's it's grotesque. Uh, well, and I mean like,
1: you know, when I I was like, man, they're decriminalizing weed. What what could they possibly <laughs> do to replace that?
0: Yeah that's that's exactly how they do it TikTok. <laughs> uh-huh. wow so yeah um, and, and, and it's it's very interesting
1: that they're targeting like asian people with this they're like mm-hmm. oh look 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 indigenous and black people are being murdered by the cops at extremely high rates who can we scapegoat <laughs> you know, like, yeah it's really fucked up it's really insidious yeah yeah um because that's another fire. Basically, what you're doing is you're like, I've started five arson fires already today. Let's put a couple more on, so
0: that way people don't know it's me. You know? Oh yeah, it's it's really really bad. So, um, so again, you know, the the bill is terrifying, and I just hope the attention it's it's getting uh, does anything to kneecap it, because obviously, you know, this is the kind of thing the U.S. government would do and just push through. Uh, speaking of things the US government would do, but they could scapegoat it. Uh, Mexico right now has a lot of participation in the concentration camps along the border and ice and custom and border patrol. by having their own uh, detention centers that usually you know, tends to put in like Guatemalan people a lot right now um, who are simply migrating north. Um, Honduran people, you know, anyone that's an immigrant to Mexico, that's a potential immigrant to the United States, uh, is getting into these concentration camps in Mexico, basically on the, you know, overt pressure by the United States, and overt direction from the United States, uh, but it's technically Mexican forces doing it. Well, there was one where people were getting treated so poorly to protest the lack of water. One of the detained immigrants, what lit a fire. And grotesquely, all of the guards were like, you know, let them start it, let them burn, and like did not try to put out the fire, help people, unlock people to escape, anything. Uh, They just let them burn alive, and they, you know, just talked about them casually and stepped out like they weren't even human. And then they drug the bodies outside and just laid them on the ground. It was horrific beyond description. Um and, well, this is- and you have that combined with the recent collection
1: of abortion clinic data mm-hmm. and school data by ICE. Yes. I would be very concerned about the treatment of people if these encampments, mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. kind, concentration camps, if they yep. are to expand, and we know who's going in there, TikTokers... Uh, <laughs> Which,
0: well, wow, that's well, I mean, a low bar. It, it shows, you know, it, there, there are certain issues where Democrats will stand on, like, the left-wing side of things to uphold their reputation. They're very small. They're basically the same as Republicans. But one that was a stronghold of theirs was abortion. And it wasn't necessarily that these Tea Partiers came in with some huge wave of power that they didn't ha- have before. And, of course, they're getting more overtly fascistic, but that's not necessarily leaning into the pro-life stuff. So— It wasn't just the Supreme Court that let this pro-life stuff come right through, right? All this anti-abortion stuff could have been stopped with the Democrats having a Democratic president and Democrats running the Congress and having a split in the Senate, right? They could have pushed it all through – just fine, and the Supreme Court ruling wouldn't have mattered. So, why did they drop the ball? And one of the few things, you know, they'll do the bank bailout, they'll do the imperialism, they'll do, uh, no, the, but they the promised they... to
1: load the courts to mm-hmm. solve the Supreme Court issue.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> God, you didn't, um,
0: you, didn't. Yeah. you didn't. No, but this it's almost I mean, like Biden's a Republican. Right. And so there's all kinds of Republican stuff like that, that they'll just oopsie-daisy, you know, let slip through. Oh, you know, we won't raise the minimum wage. Oh, we'll let the COVID payouts stop. Oh, you know, so much as they, they really lasted in the first place. Oh, you know, we, don't, we won't do Medicare for all. Oh, you know, Biden's, like, build back better was stripped down, to nothing but expanded military spending. Like, that's all par for the course for Democrats. But the one thing they did tend to defend for a while was abortion— why suddenly now did that get through? And in the meantime, Biden, of course, is continuing to build Trump's wall, which we've talked about as a surveillance wall. It all ties the fuck together. Well, but the thing is,
1: Biden doesn't need to build the surveillance portion. Trump built that. Trump built his wall. He told yep. us it would be an invisible wall. And we made fun of him for it. No, what he told us was he was instituting a fucking array system to track people's footsteps in heat signatures through the desert for 300 Mm -hmm. mile radiuses around these fucking uh, signal uh, towers that also went up around the Dahona Odahem reservation and are going up around any reservation on the border under the accusations that they're uh, helping immigrants. Uh, invade the united states and now considering the fact that we just had some immigrant families trying to come from canada to the united states um Mm -hmm. die on the northern border it makes total sense for them to be putting these up on the northern border now they have an excuse
0: yep 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 and and so they're militarizing you know both borders now
1: like a lot of people probably wouldn't expect that in the up I grew up very aware of border control because we have a ton of immigrants here, like a lot of people like I know a person that was literally putting people uh like eighteen people deep in a fucking garage in the middle of summer, you know, and yeah, I called that in, yeah, it's like that guy's fucking murdering people, you know <laughs> like literally he he murdered people Jesus. like its it's fucked up. You know, and it's like they ended up finding, like, yeah, it's a whole thing, and it's that's a thing, you know. Like, there's, you know, fuck. And at a certain point, it's like, oh, uh, what what can you do for these people? Because a right wing trumper abusing them, and I mean abusing them. Yeah, he's fully aware of what can happen because he can call immigration at them at any time. And this is a while ago. This I was like a kid and like I was like, there's a bunch of fucking people living in a garage and this guy's taking advantage of them. And I mean like I was 16 or whatever, but you know, like I would hope that like that was before Trump came in, but Obama was known as the deporter in chief. So I think you know, like it's one of those things that you learn from, but it's certainly like you think about it, who else is doing that here? Yeah. You know, who else is doing that in the middle of nowhere elsewhere? Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, and I mean, when I say a garage, I mean a one car garage. Jeez. Like, I, it was, you ever see American Dad? Yeah. They have a whole fucking episode where he has like a bunch of people working for uh, Mr. Pib in his garage. Oh, jeez. Yeah, borderline that episode. You know, but instead of, like, fucking uh, making teddy bears, he was running an entire fucking roofing company with them. Christ. Yeah, and that was his only workers. He was the, like, master certified fucking union carpenter. God. Yeah, it's like, that's... (sighs) Dude. And then, like, on Mackinac Island, you have a bunch of, uh, a lot of Jamaican-Caribbean um, immigrants that come up there to, uh, and I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen any of them get arrested. You know, I don't know if any of them have actually ever broken the law to go there, but yeah. they get harassed by fucking immigration all the fucking time. Oh yeah. I
0: it's agree. crazy. Yeah. Not even surprised. Um, also in current events, uh, we wanted to talk about Vancouver I'm um, going to let you take the reins on that one, Shumana, too.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 sorry. There's a lot of uh, current events. So along, with, uh, so in Vancouver, there was recently, uh, today, uh, the cops uh, decided to clear an encampment um, that the Vancouver's Workers' Assembly, you can go check them out on Twitter, uh, stuff will be in the show notes, uh, uh, and as well as to help with, uh, what's it called, um... Jail funds, what, what bail fund? Bail, bail bond,
0: yeah, bail, bonds. yeah, yeah, whatever
1: it's called. Um, freaking. Um, but basically, they've been helping out this encampment for a while, and the cops came through and thrashed things up. And like the photos, like I mean, it looks like a tornado went through.
0: It really yeah, does. Yeah, it, it it looks like something people would call a natural disaster. And it's like the cops just did that. Yeah,
1: just to fuck with people
0: who have nothing. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Grotesque fascism. Again, you know, I mean, this is what fascism is, right? It it doesn't treat human beings as human beings. There's no respect for life at all.
1: Right. And so, uh, along with that, you have um,
0: uh,
1: you have uh, about a thousand some bison killed outside Yellowstone Park this year. Mm. Um, Which most of those are probably car accidents, but also Mm. like who knows yeah like who knows
0: why i am sure there are some racists that know the history of like teddy roosevelt
1: well i'm sure there's people who are like bison meat fuck yeah
0: well yeah (laughs) there's probably some of that
1: too yeah so yeah i don't know like when i think of like poaching, i think of like poachers who poach for food a lot of times just because like where i live people are very poor including white people but including (laughs) indians you know, like, fucking, mm-hmm. you, you get a list of how many things you're allowed to hunt, I'm not going to blame you if you overhunt something, because it's sure. conveniently more ready to you, yeah. you know, like, because not, like, most people aren't utilizing their hunting rights, and the hunting rights are based on if everybody was hunting, <laughs> including white people, so it's just like, I'm not that worried <laughs> I do a lot of fishing, I don't know, with, like, the rise of microplastics and PFAS chemicals and water, I don't know how much I'm going to rely on fish so much anymore. Sure. But, and that sucks for me because that was a huge fucking cost saver, you know, like, like, a lot of my stuff, I'm, I'm going, like, more vegan is my thing. I already, like, try to replace, like, two to three meals a week with fucking mostly vegan or vegetarian meal you know but now i'm thinking i should do more Mm because we're fucked (laughs) and then the uh, cash app ceo got stabbed. that's cool yeah that's interesting
0: i don't know any other any other current events uh well i i don't know if you want to weigh in on The Catholic Church rejecting the doctrine of discovery. Fuck.
1: (laughs) I mean, so yeah, they they rejected it, but then it's like, are you going to like help us fight legal battles across the world where, you know, like uh, uh, most of U.S. law is precedented on the doctrine of discovery and the uh, land grabbing rights of settlers here via. Pope edicts, you know, and first off, that's ironic. Giving the fact that the Puritans, you know, came over here to get away from all that, right? And they end up using it as a legal justification, right?
0: <clears throat> well, there's sus. that 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 yeah, that kind of feeds back into to what Jason Kai uh, wrote about in settlers, where the Puritans had essentially already escaped repression <clears throat> into the Netherlands, and then. David, we well. can't talk about. Oh Jay no, 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 no! You, you can't talk about Jason. That's a no-no. Oh no.
1: It's a no-no. That's <laughs> forbidden. Hitler, fine.
0: Jason, Sakai? no, no. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, but uh, with all of that said, um, I think we need to get into the reading now. We we did the conclusion of the last chapter last time. Now we're doing the last chapter. That is conclusion. Is that how we? How we figured it up. <laughs> um, so the conclusion, our words are powerful. Our knowledge is inevitable. Infrastructures of relation. In 2017, Tlingit scholar Anne Spice sat down with Una Stoughton hereditary spokesperson Frida Hewson after an interview that has since appeared in Standing with Standing Rock voices from the No Dapple movement. Edited volume of over 40 contributors reflecting on the history and significance of the No Dapple uprising at Standing Rock in 2016. And for those who are not familiar, No Dapple is just the acronym for No Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, Oh, yeah, we should clarify that. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Spice's interview with Houston was conducted in a log cabin that Houston was asked to build in April 2010 two years after the Wet'suwet'en clans refused the British Columbia Treaty process, requiring them to cede their ancestral lands to Canada. Midway through the interview, their conversation turns to the topic of critical infrastructure, a phrase that has been used repeatedly by the Canadian government to criminalize Wet'suwet'en people whose lands Canada claims to be in the way of lucrative oil and gas pipelines. And obviously, you know, everybody uh who has lived in the United States or Canada has heard critical we we have to protect our critical infrastructure um, a lot of the the bills and things that you know we're pushing against here um it has to do with critical infrastructure i believe there was something said about critical infrastructure with something digital with that restrict act but i had to go back and look at the the language but
1: oh that'd be interesting
0: yeah but i had to go look at the language cuz I, I i talk about a right. car back. <laughs> um but again, my my brain is scrambled eggs sometimes, so I might be wrong on that. Let me let me confirm it. Uh, Spice says, "I'm wondering what you think. The way industry approaches the land and water and animals is different in the way that you view those same things." Houston, our critical infrastructure is the clean drinking water and the very water that salmon spawn in. That salmon is our food source. It's our main staple food. That's one of our critical infrastructures. And there's berries that are our critical infrastructure because the berries not only feed us, they also feed the bears. And the salmon also don't just feed us, they feed the bears. All of that is part of the system that our people depend on. And that whole cycle and system is our critical infrastructure. And that's what we're trying to protect, an infrastructure that we depend on. The cabin the interview was conducted in, one of several structures that now make up what is commonly known as Unastoten Camp, the Unistoten camp was established to enforce the decision to preserve the territory for future generations. The cabin in which Spice and Houston are talking is built in the exact area where Trans-Canada, Enbridge, and Pacific Trails want to lay oil and gas pipelines. The critical infrastructure that Canada has waged over a decade's worth of violent evictions, demolitions, surveillance, and harassment campaigns against Wet'suwet'en people to guarantee. Still, they will not leave the camp nor abandon their territory. The you Unistotin, know, we are reminded, are fighting for the future health of the land.
1: In addition to defining what critical infrastructure means for the Wet'suwet'en, Houston defines that it means for settler society and corporations in Canada, "Quote unquote, industry and government always talk about critical infrastructure and their critical infrastructure is making money and using destructive projects to make that money. Wait, infrastructure? Yeah, okay. (laughs) End quote. We highlight Houston's comments about critical infrastructure because they speak to the broader ethics and goals that drive the Red Deal's vision for economic and political change. As we have shown throughout this book, a structural perspective rooted in indigenous knowledge, particularly our tradition of science and technology, seeks to build critical infrastructures premised on methods of relationality that emphasize, above all else, caretaking and balance. This is crucial because the infrastructure we must dismantle are not only those that manifest in pipelines, bulldozers, smokestacks, concrete dams, or man camps, they're the material infrastructure of extractivism. Rather, the critical infrastructure we must undo is the philosophy that drives those material conditions. As Houston notes, the philosophy is a money and its primary method of rela- relationality is destruction. There is another word for money driven systems that expresses existence through destruction. Capitalism. Capitalism destroys life. It pollutes the river. It scars mountains. It's- starves moose wolves and salmon it alienates our bonds with each other and with the earth its very existence demands our disappearance
0: and uh, before we go further just because i was tying back to the critical infrastructure it wasn't the restrict act that said that that's where i was getting mixed up it was uh, biden put out a big critical infrastructure a memo that vowed to beef up cybersecurity last year, which a few people had tied back to the Restrict Act. Like, this was all planned up, obviously. So, that was, it was just, it was a, a White House official press release. Of from, course. From last year that kind of, yeah. That's a campaign it's promise. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually not, but he actually forgot all of his 2020 campaign promises, apparently. Yeah, no. But, I mean, it makes sense. I feel like we were talking about TikTok and, and TikTok bans, like, a year ago so no 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 that was this like is, this is
1: in 20 that was probably like in 2019 2018 yeah you know like fucking maybe it was 2020 at the beginning of uh, the pandemic yeah. that was under trump you know
0: yeah like so it this... was a while ago yeah
1: we're so... about we're almost to another election you know <laughs>
0: So I was, uh, I was wrong. The, the language of critical infrastructure was, is not what's in the restrict act. But this has been in the works for a long time, long before the act was brought before. And they did the little xenophobia show uh, with the TikTok CEO. Um, this has been in the works for you know a while. It's the way things were heading. Um, and critical infrastructure has been part of the language to promote it since the la- since last summer.
1: Uh, the Red Nation is serious about building alternatives to the death world of capitalism that we currently endure. Uh, there's friends of the Pods over at Minion Death Cult. Like, <laughs> You know, I have like a play on this. <laughs> That's what comes to mind every time I read that line. <laughs> Continuing. We are... <laughs> I, I hate that that started off with we are serious and the next one is also we are serious and I'm like but you should check out Minion Death Cult. <coughs> anyway. We are serious because we know that what is at stake if we do not. As we say in the Red Deal, we have two, th- two paths. Decolonization or extinction. Like the Wen, we are indigenous peoples who belong to and love our nations. Our sovereignty our very being cannot be separated from the health and well-being of the land. Like all societies and civilizations, ours is what makes us who we are. Wait, our relationality and the values upon which these practices are based is what makes us who we are. It's <laughs> like that doesn't sound right. Uh, our political orders and systems of governance—wait, yeah, of governance—only matter if we caretake the land. They are an intelligible yeah, they are intelligible through our relationship with the land, literally. We do not want to endure any longer, we want to thrive. As for this reason we cannot accept a path other than decolonization. Shishongu Titon scholar Edward Valandra oh no Valandra argues about his own nation the Shekuate. All right. Okay, sorry. I don't, I don't know why you would say his own nation and then say the no yate just because it's like the Ochete Nation again. It Doesn't make I don't know <laughs> redundant. redundant. Yeah, it's our sovereignty—it's <laughs> chai tea exactly. <laughs> our sovereignty flows directly uh, from our origin story. We must follow our original instructions to be a good relative. This is precisely what our Wet'suwet'en relatives in Eunice Norton Camp have shown us in the steadfast fight for the future health of the land. This is also what our Chetishekawin relatives at Standing Rock did during the hashtag No Dapple movement when they became water protectors to answer the call for help from the relatives of the Water Nation. Quote, since water is our relative, we protect all relatives from harm, says Valandra, continuing. Resisting DAPL was our response to a relative's call for help. Answering that call was
0: and remains our responsibility, end quote. The critical infrastructure of indigenous worlds is fundamentally about responsibility and being a good relative. But our responsibilities do not happen only in the realm of political transformation. Caretaking, which we address in the introduction and in part three, is the basis, too, for vibrant economies that must work fluidly with political structures to reinforce the world we seek to build beyond capitalism. We must thus have faith in our own forms of indigenous political economy, the critical infrastructures that Hewson speaks of so eloquently. We must rigorously study, theorize, enact, and experiment with these forms. While it covers ambitious terrain, the Red Deal, at its base, provides a program for study, theorization, action, and experimentation. But we must do the work, and the cold, hard truth is that we must not only be willing to do the work on a small scale whenever it suits us, in our own lives, in our family, or even in the Red Nation. We must be willing as our fearless Wet'suwet'en relatives have done, to enforce these orders on a large scale. In conversation, our Red Nation comrade, Nick Estes, stated, I don't want to just honor the treaties, I want to enforce them. We can and should implement these programs in our own communities to alleviate suffering and protect what lands are still available to caretake under colonial rule. To survive extinction, however, we must enforce indigenous orders in and amongst those who have made it clear that they will not stop their plunder until we are all dead. Settler and imperial nations, military superpower, multinational corporations, and members of the ruling class are enemies of the earth and the greatest danger to our future. How will we enforce indigenous political, scientific, and economic orders to successfully prevent our mass ruin? This is the challenge we confront and pose in the Red Deal, and it is the challenge that all who take up the Red Deal must also confront.
1: Yeah, that's my contribution. Um I think they say a lot of good things here, and um I think it's a lot to aspire to um on all our fronts. You know, I think when you're organizing you should be thinking about how your actions not only impact today, but impact tomorrow and the next day and seven generations from now. When you're organizing, you're setting up the infrastructure for other people to build power off of. We don't have the dual power necessary to accomplish our goals as we want so what is to be done now is to build up those pieces of infrastructure
0: Mm -hmm. it's it's obviously the revolution can't happen without toppling the state but it's most important what we do what we build in its place and we start building that before we topple the state we start building that right now because we need to support each other because we need to know how these solutions work because we need to have the stuff ready we need to build our infrastructure now and our infrastructure has to has to respect sovereignty it has to respect um, the the planet the earth uh, which are things that capitalism doesn't care about so we're going to have to do it our own way which is why we turn to socialism
1: and if you're looking for an episode to quote to people when you're arguing on our behalf, or on well, by our behalf, I should say, not Marx badness, but Indigenous people's behalf. Um, we, uh, sorry, uh, if if you're arguing on our behalf, this this is the episode to send to people to be like, hey, if you're looking for a little bit of an explanation of land back in a way that's a little more formal. We have a little more here for them to to entice them towards checking out the first episode and listening. It's 34, 35 episodes long including the intro. So it's
0: like it's not that bad,
1: you know. We read it to yeah. you. You yeah. get extra stuff.
0: <laughs> we made it nice, we gave you content, it's good. Um And then the last section of the conclusion, the power of words.
1: I I could get to any of that. If it's getting a little loud over there. Yeah. Like the phrase land back, the red deal isn't entirely new. And so, like I was saying, somebody starts talking about land back and is saying maybe that it was invented in 2019 by an NGO called Indian Collective. It's perhaps wrong. I, I can tell you for a fact in 1965, 1944, <laughs> in 17, uh, 1973, you know, <laughs> there's a couple times that it's used in a legal argument uh, against the state. Um, so it's 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 much older than Caleb Moppin or Peter Coffin would have you believe. Um, Every generation of indigenous people since invasion has wanted land back and so too have they wanted to restore correct relations like the ones we spell out on these pages. The aspiration of justice stem from deep rooted traditions practices and knowledges embedded within the land itself. The Red Deal is a theory and a program that emerges from experience you can also read praxis um though like praxis kind of like denotes a specifically revolutionary form but even then it's like all praxis is if you're a liberal and you do something you'll learn from it that you probably have to be more radical right that's how i look at it yeah absolutely it is rooted in struggle and what we do, what we observe, and the relationships we make, and sometimes break. It is thoroughly grounded in the material world we inhabit. It does not come from thought experiments or philo- philosophical debates. Our writing and thinking quite literally emerge from the ground up. They are always grounded in our relationship with the land and with people. They are manifestations of and directly responsive to
0: action. We, oh, no, you're, you're fine. I was going to say
1: debate me, bro. Debate me. That's what I stopped for. Awesome. <laughs> we, <laughs> Vosh, Vosh moment. We have r- written this book, not as a guidebook to help movements see what needs to be seen or to confirm what is missing from their own struggles. It is our view that indigenous people do not write enough, and we do, others rarely listen. Why else would we be on the precipice of mass extinction? If humanity were already following the guidance of indigenous people, we would be in a much different situation and we would not have to write yet another program for liberation. We certainly do not write enough for our own people in a way that speaks to their hardest struggles and deepest dreams. We thus take our role as revolutionaries and intellectuals seriously, because we take our people seriously. We are not apart from... But also, let me address... If somebody's saying that somebody's a fucking LARPer because they take revolutionary revolution seriously... All they're admitting is that they're a LARPer communist that has no stake in the game. Yeah, like not to call it a game because Revolution isn't a Tea Party; it's not a game. But <laughs> no, you but clearly don't you care. Not
0: in the game, you don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, There's but- a genocide happening against my people right now in less than sixty days. The Supreme Court is going to decide whether or not genocide is legal against my people again. Fuck you for calling me a LARPer. Sorry, I care more and do more. Anyway, (laughs) where were we? Uh, We are not apart from our people. We are The people and that's what i'd like a lot of people to kind of realize i'm not an intellectual i just read theory i'm I'm what you wanted you wanted a lumpen to read theory here i am and i am now giving you the feedback i get from bringing your ideas to the masses and i want to be equipped correctly through the means available right but i'm only able to do so much with my own funds First off, because I'm poor. I'm the poorest in America. So if you want to be able to... And I'm the luckiest of the poorest in America. You know? (laughs) If it wasn't for my luck, I'd be a lot worse off. It's birth lottery. That's it. You know? So if you want to reach somebody like me, if you want to reach the lumpen, you have to be able to explain ideas in a way that, first off, you can articulate to somebody who's not as politically educated as yourself. Right. Secondly, it has to be articulated in a form that is not immediately repulsive to somebody like myself. Uh, You also had to uh, address contradictions, like say with COVID, which unfortunately, yes, does involve a little like from the white perspective, you would only say there's ableism, but then like, if you're looking from a traditional perspective, like they literally believe they're not going to get sick. If they believe, like if they follow our traditional medicines, take our traditional medicines and stuff like that, they will not get sick. That's what they believe. And unfortunately, you are fighting metaphysical forces there. You are not going to convince them otherwise because I've personally seen hundreds of people gather from around the world, including Japan, China, Germany, all over the world, and nobody got COVID. So it only reinforced this feeling. You know, that's, I mean, that's lucky. That's all you can say there. Yeah. You know, so how you combat that, and maybe it is real, you know, whatever. What you actually have to address these people's thoughts, you know, that is parapolitics. It actually matters, and we need to address it, because... It's not like the guy who is leading these people does not have skin in the game. He literally had strategic bombers flown overhead. How many people have had nukes threatened on them? Shut the fuck up. Okay? Like, you don't, you don't know. You don't know what's actually happening in this country. And you don't realize how much skin is in the game. Already. This is a dude who got threatened in the 90s by Clinton. You know, I very much doubt Biden, Obama, Trump, or Bush would have much more sympathy. Anyway. In fact, the drafting in the neck of this text involved countless hours of meetings with indigenous communities throughout Turtle Island and beyond. Many of the drafters are not academics or professional intellectuals in the Western sense, but nonetheless hold valuable knowledge and skills that have brought this project to fruition. The Red Deal wasn't drafted in a closed door meeting or at the whims of a co- corporate structured NGO or nonprofit. In a very indigenous process, it was written and created through dialogue, reflection, and action. It was all written before TRN was ever involved with. The Red Media NGO. This is a movement document that comes from the humble people of the earth. And we sincerely hope you find meaning in our words that this book touches your heart and ignites your soul. Our words are sincere and our thoughts and hopes are given freely to inspire our relatives, the humble people of the earth, to rise up and reclaim their humanity. They are, as the Diné relatives remind us, a sacred wind that carries the power to shape action. You want to continue?
0: Sure. Um, As much as we hope the Red Deal inspires monumental action and mass mobilization, we also hope it inspires more writing and more thinking. Setting your pen to a piece of paper or sitting down at a computer to write a thought, let alone a book, is, after all, action. Not to mention hard work. It is the form of what Leanne Betsumasaki Simpson calls indigenous excellent, or rigorous engagement with indigenous knowledge that happens in relation to the land and to other human beings. We are also unapologetic leftists. We do not prioritize these intellectual and political traditions over indigenous ones. If anything, we filter, center, and interpret our politics through a commitment to indigenous political economy and fru- futurity, futurity, futurity um, first and foremost. To do otherwise would be contrary to who we are in this world. As the Red Deal continues to be read, shared, debated, and implemented, we ask that its indigenous intent and design not be decentered or whittled down for the sake of expediency, or that it be reduced to cultural or spiritual window dressing for otherwise scientific, economic driven programs, likely designed by white dude experts. I'd like to point out. That's why we're
1: reading in this in its entirety. If we're going to offer a, any criticism or additions, mm-hmm. if you want to call them that, uh, that's maybe a little kind of us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, criticisms or critiques or um, presentation, I don't know how to describe it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's why we're doing it in its entirety
0: and ask that you listen to this
1: in its entirety.
0: Yes. Um, unlike thinkers who center European thought, politics, and movements to not only perpetuate European colonialism, but also try to apply it to the entire world, indigenous knowledge is not parochial thought that applies to just one local culture, one place, or one time period. Indigenous, no- indigenous knowledge is rigorous, scientific, inclusive, diverse, and ever-changing the knowledge we share is in compri- oh knowledge we share in is comprised of indigenous science economics and political science that must be at the center of any climate justice program just as our youth women and warriors have been since its inception our emphasis on indigenous knowledge may seem like a rehashing of what is already available to movements worked through by other indigenous organizations, movements, scholars, or leaders that precede us.
1: And this is talking to indigenous people, not you white communists, before you get your fucking heads way inflated. No. Nope. You do not have a lot of people talking about this. I am sorry. You don't. I am actually not sorry. Mar- Martagui Martagui. I don't know I don't know how to pronounce his last name properly but
0: that's like the closest you fucking got and yeah <laughs> um, some may read this and feel discouraged or uninspired because we are not proposing anything new the truth is we are not not entirely at least the methods of decolonization and revolution we draw from as well as our focus on how indigenous knowledge incites transformation and change aren't anything new. But this is because we understand the Red Deal and the Red Nation more broadly as belonging to a long-standing, dynamic traditions of indigenous resistance. Ours is a generational fight that picks up where our predecessors and ancestors left off. We are simply attempting to fulfill those original instructions that Valandra writes about, the same instructions that our ancestors set out all those years ago to fulfill. In many ways, we hope to be the culmination of our ancestors' freedom dreams, premised always on returning to our humanity and our origins as good relatives. What is perhaps different about the Red Deal is the scale of application we are proposing. Given planetary reach of mass extinction caused by global system of capitalism, our program for freedom must be equally audacious and far-reaching. There is no reason why indigenous revolutionaries can't lead us to a collective transition to the future. There no side, is the so also no excuse to continue to sideline indigenous people or knowledge simply because of the racism and ignorance that underwrites so much of what counts for radical revolutionary politics. I'll read that one again. There is also no excuse to continue to sideline indigenous people or knowledge simply because of the racism and ignorance that underwrites so much of what counts for radical or revolutionary politics. Get that in your heads. Um, The extent to which the left, particularly in North America, continues to do so will be the measure of its failure to contribute in any meaningful way to the global revolution yet to come. The Red Nation is not asking for a seat at the table of the ruling class or of the left. It is telling humanity to listen to indigenous people. Don't just take us seriously, take our lead. As for Haudenosaunee feminist Teresa McCarthy argues... At assertions of indigenous knowledge provide models that pose alternatives to mainstream ideas something we desperately need in these times in her reflections did
1: you, I'm sorry well I I just I, I can you can continue okay yeah
0: it's only two paragraphs so I'll wrap it up uh in her reflections on leadership of Haudenosaunee diplomats and governance systems and the establishment of indigenous internationalism, McCarthy reminds us that the Haudenosaunee and other indigenous nations of the world built an entire international indigenous human rights infrastructure with no resources other than words and language. Our words are powerful and her knowledge is inevitable. Both come from and reaffirm the worlds we inhibit and continue to build even under apocalyptic conditions. They convey strength and innovation because we belong to long traditions of indigenous resistance. We have done this before. As Comrade Nicostes' book states, our history is the future.
1: And I would say a lot of that is because we've already faced apocalyptic conditions. Mm -hmm. And here we are, continuing. We have the same access to the same... Well, we don't have the same access, but we... Some of us have the same technology you do, and we can now compete, (laughs) platform us a little bit and try to help us out
0: some. In closing, we hope these words move you to act. Each day, the Red Nation, we study, theorize, enact, and experiment with everything we have laid out here in the Red Deal. We govern ourselves and our relations according to one simple philosophy, be a good relative. We are, as a collective, an experiment in practicing infrastructures of indigenous world-making premised on the central edict. We don't always get it right, but we refuse to give up because we carry the dreams of our ancestors in our hearts. These dreams will never steer us wrong, and they will not steer you wrong. The struggle to remember our humanity through our love for the earth will define the future for all. Join us. We are waiting for you. We welcomed you, and we are ready to act. and that concludes the Red Deal
1: well it, it doesn't there like an appendix thing but you can oh, okay. you can yeah. go you okay. can go read that and learn about the Red Nation more and it's it's not even like valid anymore because they they're kind of came, they're coming up with a whole they either came up or by this time they, I think they came up with a whole new principles of unity so oh, like wow. or at least edited the, the ones that exist because of various reasons mm-hmm. I don't need to err on here besides the passing shade I've already thrown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> evil face. Anyway, but <laughs> uh, no, um, you know, say what you will about them. Uh, they are loud. They're louder than most orgs, and they are not a lot of people. So, there's no reason why CPUSA, with at however many thousand members, mm-hmm. fucking several thousands of members, fucking, they have, can't do better than TRN is doing. There shouldn't be any reason. Especially, they have seventy-some thousand dollars in the bank, and they're asking people to donate another $125,000. <sighs> You you better fucking do a lot this year if you get that money. Yeah, you know, like do something. Yeah, that's a lot of fucking money to go towards a newspaper. That's for People's World, by the way. That's not even for CPUSA. That's for People's World. Jeez. Yeah.
0: Um. So with with that, um, now that we've concluded the book, um, any.
1: Ah uh, yeah, so uh, thank you all for listening to this latest season of the red, the, well, the Red Deal. But uh, Mark's madness, right? <laughs> if you were wondering what those noises were, it was probably David's kids. I'm guessing. I don't. My know. My kids but...
0: are fighting. I might. Have to... <laughs> you you do plugs. I might have to make sure my kids yeah yeah. yeah. You, each other it. in the eyeball. I got
1: it. <laughs> we are, of course, a very parent friendly. Podcast an organization, uh, as you all know. Mark Spanis has joined the Chunkaluta network, and in order to get a hold of us, you can reach us at three different emails. Soon to be um brought under one that's just gonna be like a comrade complaint line. I don't know. I don't fucking know what to call it. Anyway, it'll be on the website, chunkaluta.org, uh, when it launches. But for now, Email us at chunkaluta1973 at gmail.com, marksmanispod at gmail.com, or bandsaturtleisland of island at gmail.com. Um, if you couldn't get us, a hold of us on email, there's another option to get a hold of us on Twitter. If you go on Twitter, you can reach me on my personal one at bands island. I'll probably respond to you. I don't know. I'm paid to do that. <laughs> I have to because we can't afford our own media manager. Anyway, uh, then you can also reach out to at is Pod at, on Twitter or at Chunkaluta nineteen seventy three, which is the network Twitter, which is where I try to keep uh, shitty arguing and debate culture away from the official organs of the organization, so that way Pat Soches aren't fucking annoying us on the official Twitter. <laughs> anyway, I do a bad job at that anyway. Um, and also on the Mark's Madness pod, you can, pod, pods, Twitter, you can reach the official Mark's Madness Discord. That's free. But if, if you're feeling kind, you want to support us monetarily, right? You can support the Chukaluuta network. The Chunkaluta Network is a variety of people working in a variety of organizations trying to maintain and push a collective line and build a vanguard party. Right now, we are cadre formation. We're honest about that. But we're probably a little further along than most people would expect. And um, and that's mostly just due to the advanced nature of a lot of the comrades involved and the vast networks and solid relationships a lot of us have uh, and just the fact that it's a lot of solid organizers making up uh, what I think is the actual intelligentsia versus what gets platformed as the intelligentsia. Yeah, Which is, unfortunately, we settle for mediocrity right now so I'm hoping to raise the standards right as the goal. I think Mark's Madness sets some in the fact that well, they read it in front of you so... I I would hope to God you think they know what the fuck they're talking about since they read it in fucking front of you. I mean, maybe there's some other stuff they haven't read beforehand, but yeah. David is honest about not being an expert, and Nathan is honest about David being his entry. So it's like we we understand that it's two white dudes just doing their best. You know uh, that's how it started.
0: You know and that's I guess how it started. Means- we actually had a little like two white dudes in a closet thing in our Twitter bio for a while. <laughs>
1: And, and I guess that leads into uh, a great time for you to mention the disclaimer. Uh, oh, but yeah. I was going to say, uh, there's a Patreon on tin can. Um, it's in the bio or on the Twitter. Uh, seriously, we need wood and, uh, other stuff. So help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I strongly second, like make sure you were subscribing to the, the kind tin can, uh, Patreon because, uh, money to is putting that directly towards you know direct action causes to help people out on pine ridge and well other things 500
1: like of it on the patreon goes to feeding my family and paying our bills mm-hmm. 500 that's very reasonable i think yeah yeah no, <laughs> <laughs> we've only certainly recently surpassed that amount but then we also get some private donations from people who are better off Mm-hmm. that are like, well, we'll just skip the Patreon steps since I'm already subscribed to the Patreon for like a dollar for a year, mm-hmm. and I'll mm-hmm. just give you a larger sum of money or whatever. Nice. And so our org is working with $10,000 operationally this year for its first operational year, which is better than most orgs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah. Already happy with that, but please help expand that and build up um permaculture and uh food forests that would ideally feed the revolution you know in that moment Mm -hmm. and until then feeds everybody else because we're struggling yeah you know
0: and uh and not not i don't want to take away from that at all so assuming that's that's you know you guys understand that well then um going on to our disclaimer, something that I used to do every episode. and We broke away from that in the middle of this book, uh, but there is times that merit it. So when I started off the Mark's madness side of this, um, Nathan and I, uh, Nathan came up to me. He was like, hey, I want to read Capital. You've read it once before, you know, that you should read theory in a group. Let's read it together. And I was like, okay, cool. And um, so we read it and we decided to, it was kind of a small group and we started recording it. And ever since then we thought, hey, you know, we got these recordings. Let's see if we can go out there and see if people want to listen. And now hundreds of you come every week to listen to to reading with us. And we're, you know, happy we're you're here and we're hoping that Whatever party, whatever cadre, whatever group you're organizing with, they have a reading group, political education group, something like that, and they're reading this along with us, and we can be another voice in that group, another. Source I'm
1: of glad people. I'm posting this on my feed. If it's only hundreds of listeners on your
0: end, <laughs> is that just I humbleness? I, I don't, I don't actually check the numbers. Uh, oh, okay, okay. When, when I was we were just growing. Wondering. Yeah, we were growing. There was like a stats thing that Nathan would show us. It was like, wow, like you know, but. Um, now, you know, I I don't even look at it. Um but anyway, um lots of people will say that. Um, I was gonna say I feel like a lot of people listen to you. I feel like I feel like we got a pretty big reach, but um but I don't know the numbers. So uh anyway. Um hopefully Better we, we to hum be be humble than to lie. <laughs> that's true. Um so anyway, hopefully you're you're in your groups uh, that you're organizing with and in your reading groups or political education groups, we're another voice in the group and another perspective, another source of input, another chance to remember the reading material when you go back over it, which is another benefit of those reading groups. Uh, let's say that's not happening. They're reading something shorter, something more applicable to a project you're, you're working on. Uh, hopefully we can be that reading group if you're reading this on your own. Uh, we can give you more context, different perspectives, especially now showing money to on here, giving an indigenous perspective. Um
1: yeah, you actually get different perspectives.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no offense. No, it's fair. Th- totally fair. Uh, <laughs> none taken. Uh, but. Uh... You know, that way that we can give you those benefits, give you a chance to read over the the theory again. Um, And let's say that's not happening and it's either a book like this that we read more word for word or it's something we summarize more. Whatever we can do to make these works more accessible to you because we want these works out there guiding your actions. And when theory is put into revolutionary action, that's a phenomenon called praxis. Praxis, of course, definitionally can't exist without theory and theory is completely useless without praxis. They go hand in hand. They are tied at the hip.
1: And it really bothers me, the lack of the use of the word praxis in this entire book. Because, like, when when, uh, Antonio Gramsci, you know, goes to prison, he uses um, the theory of praxis to get around. uh, Get around that I can't say socialism. Socialism or Marxism, what's it called? Uh, Censorships. Yeah, he gets around Censorships um and so that leads us into announcing you know our last thing and yeah that the next season is going to be a custom Gramsci reader that you can download off the patreon for one dollar a month or you can go to the discord and message us on twitter email us blah 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 get it for free uh eventually it'll be on the website for your convenient grabbing um sorry it's not already a thing that's that's my fault um or, uh we're chickens with our heads cut off running around over here uh, <laughs> but we're, we're doing it <laughs> um, but uh you know I think it's worth reaching out and reading ahead yeah. oh excuse me because we <laughs> we had to like cut it and like chop it up to fit onto the stream yard and It was a whole thing. But, you know, we started recording that. And, uh, oh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. And that's featuring Prez or President of America from, uh, the Minion. And if you're wondering what's the deal behind the name, like Juan Guaido, they just declared themselves President of America. (laughs) (laughs) Like the day of. That is that is good stuff. Stuck with the bit ever since. So. That's
0: right. That's that's commitment to the bit.
1: Yeah, that's years <laughs> of commitment, which rip because even the U.S. gave up on Wang Guaido. Your oh, preses.
0: God, God which keeping is it going. The funniest thing I've ever seen. So Eric, say hi. My kid that was screaming earlier is is now saying hi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah. thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a great time. Goodbye.
0: Thank you. Bye.